started us out in this series and reminded us that everything doesn't have to be good in order to be grateful. And um, that point was summed up in this quote that I came across this week from Elizabeth Gilbert, um, the author of Eat, Pray, Love, and other things. She says, anyone can be happy when they get what they want. The challenge is to stay grateful and peaceful even when the world around you feels crazy and dangerous and horrible. Finding gratefulness is not always something that happens without any effort. Sometimes we have to have practices and choices to be grateful. And one of those ways that was instilled in me as a child to be grateful, to show gratitude, was to write thank you notes. Um, I didn't like writing thank you notes. I still don't like writing thank you notes. But my parents taught me, and I try to teach my children, that it's good to say thanks, and it's good to write that down, and to say, this is I, even for things that we didn't like, right? We should be grateful because somebody made the effort to give that to us. And so we say, dear so-and-so, thank you so much for such and such. I love it. I am going to do this with this gift and it's going to be great. Thank you. I love you, Sarah. She learned that well. <laughs> Um, just a little confession, if you get a nice, lovely, handwritten note from Alan and I, it's from Alan. <laughs> Alan's really good at that, and it's something I need to work on. It's good to make a choice to show gratitude, but sometimes it's a choice, and it's not just a feeling. Sometimes it's a feeling. Can you remember a time when you were just so overwhelmed with gratitude and that feeling of peace and contentment came over you and you were like, oh, I am so grateful. That's true and that's real and that's good. And then there's also the, okay, I'm going to make a choice in this moment at this time to find something to be grateful for because I don't really like my life right now. But it could be worse. And it's helpful for me to remember that there are things that I should be grateful for. Both of those things are true. And it's kind of like love. Love is a duty, love is an obligation, and love is an emotion. Gratitude fits in the same category. So the scripture I'd like to share with you today, kids, are you listening? Clothing looking for clothing. I would like to read from Colossians in the third chapter, beginning with verse 12. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, 
quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another in using good common sense and sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. Cultivate thankfulness. Thankfulness is something we have to cultivate. Sometimes it blooms unexpectedly, but it's always something we have to cultivate. This idea of thankfulness as an emotion is something that Diane Butler, Diana Butler Bass explores. This um, book that we're using for inspiration for this series is called Grateful. And um, Diana wrote this book um, last year, and she, was, she agreed to write a book on gratitude um, in 2015. And she decided to take um, a break from writing that book um, in 2016 because she wasn't feeling very grateful. And she said to her um, publisher, um, after the election is over and things go back to normal, then I'm going to write. <laughs> and um, that didn't happen. And so she had committed to write a book on gratitude at a time when she wasn't feeling grateful for much. And so it was a real discipline for her to find ways of being grateful at a time where that wasn't easy. And so she um, had a real deep spiritual exploration during that time. And so she writes this about gratitude and love. I'm going to start actually one line before it says on the screen, because I changed my mind after we made the slides. She says, so the question arises, how do you experience gratitude when feelings are elusive? Part of the answer lies in the nature of gratitude itself. It cannot be overstated that gratitude is an emotion, a complex set of feelings involving appreciation, humility, wonder, and interdependence. Gratitude, however, is more than just an emotion. 
It is also a disposition that can be chosen and cultivated. An outlook towards life that manifests itself in actions. It's an ethic. By ethic, I mean a framework of principles by which we live more fully in the world. This ethic involves developing habits and practices of gratefulness that change us for the better. Gratitude involves not only what we feel, but also what we do. In this way, gratitude resembles love. Love is a complex set of feelings, desire, passion, devotion, and affection. We feel love. But love is also a commitment, a choice, and a vow, an emotional orientation toward a person or persons that causes us to act in certain ways. Love as a noun, a feeling, surprises us. It shows up and changes everything. As most of us know, however, it's a bit of a cheat. It can disappoint, fade, or taunt when it seems to hide or move away. Love as a noun can be tricky. When it is, we choose, often motivated by the memory of feelings, to love and act accordingly. Love moves from being, an being a noun, an emotion we feel, to a verb, an ethic of commitment we embrace. Gratitude is like that. Some amount of time we feel grateful. But when the emotions seem to desert us and show up at all the wrong times and all the wrong places, we can choose to give thanks and to act in accordance with grace. Gratitude is both a noun and a verb. Gratitude is both a feeling and a choice. The first often arises unannounced, and the second takes a lifetime of practice. Practices. Ethics ways of being and living. We need these practices. Last week, Alan talked about keeping a gratitude journal. And it's been found that if you have a practice of gratitude, you will live longer. Your cardiovascular health improves statistically and scientifically if you have a practice of gratitude. So it's good for you on lots of levels to be grateful. And it's not something that just happens. It's something that we have to work on. Another way that um, Diana Butler Bass practices gratitude is that she has a rock that says gratitude on it. And it is right beside her when she sleeps. It's right next to her phone, and it's something that she holds onto at the beginning or the end of the day and names the things that she's grateful for. And sometimes, because it's right there with her, she touches it without intending to. And that reminds her that she should be grateful and there are, that she should name the things that she is grateful for. She also suggests some people have that same um, practice over a cup of coffee. 
of naming the things that you're grateful for as you have your morning coffee. It's a practice. It's a way of a routine in our lives that grounds us in the practice of gratitude. I think another way that we can change our lives to be more grateful is through the language we choose to use and the language we choose not to use. I know there that um, I struggle myself, but I see others even more clearly because that's always the way it is, right? You see what other people do much more clearly than what you do with saying, I'm sorry, as if it is the conclusion to every sentence said. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I think it's a way of being that actually does the opposite of cultivating gratitude, right? So I came across, I've been thinking about this, and then I came across um, somebody who, st who said this on Twitter, and I'd like to know the source of their um, inspiration, but I don't know it. Um, but she, she wrote, just read something about replacing I'm sorry with thank you. So instead of saying, I'm sorry I was late, say, thank you for waiting for me. Replacing negativity with positivity and gratitude breaks the I'm sorry cycle. If I approach my life in a way that says, I am grateful to you for the way that I trust you're going to receive me in grace, then I'm sharing thankfulness and I'm inviting you to share thankfulness with me. If I say, I'm really sorry, I'm saying, you should probably be mad at me, but, um, but I'm sorry already, so you don't have to be mad at me. This is not a do not apologize for anything <laughs> statement. This is a just maybe I'm sorry shouldn't be the final sentence of every phrase that we share, which sometimes we say I'm sorry more than we need to, at least as women, in my experience. But saying I'm thankful, I'm grateful for you and the way that you're being gracious to me creates a totally different space between us. So the third, so the, a tactile way of saying thanks, something that's in a routine that we do in our lives that we practice each and every day is a way that we cultivate gratitude. Changing the language that we use, how we speak to one another and about ourselves and one another is also a way of cultivating thanksgiving. And thirdly, and finally, we all have a need to share. We all have a need to give. We all need to be reminded that we are not the center of the universe and that we need to care about people who are not us. Because we all um, tend to be selfish. Like, that's just human nature. And we are all about our own selves. And as Nathan reminded us a few weeks ago when he was preaching, when you love others as you love yourself, you're, you're, you care for all your own basic needs. You feed yourself, you clothe yourself, you care all those ways that you care just about yourself. You need to care about other people too. When we focus on our own needs 
and our own desires, we aren't really in relationship with others, and we're not really in relationship with God. When we're just focused on what we have for ourselves and for our own needs and for our own desires, we're not in relationship with each other and not really in relationship with God. And as the scripture says, we aren't in tune with each other. We aren't in tune with God. And when we follow in the way of Jesus, our lives should be focused on meeting the needs of others with our time and with our resources. We need to give, not because other people have needs, but because we ourselves need to be giving people. We need to have a sense that we are sharing what we have with others. Because sharing leads us from genero to generosity and away from selfishness. And we all need to be pulled along on that journey. And then to make efforts in cultivating thankfulness. Because when we cultivate thanksgiving, then we cultivate generosity. As we read in the scripture, regardless of whatever else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. Cultivate thankfulness. So the question I'd like you to ask yourself today and tomorrow and this week and this season is, what are you doing to cultivate thankfulness? What practices are you taking on? What habits are you breaking? What generosity are you living to cultivate thankfulness? Because thankfulness needs to be cultivated. And God's gifts, good gifts, are all around us today and every day. We have the gift this morning of um, Rick Smart sharing with us about um, how he uses his gifts and his life in generous ways. So I invite him to come up and, and share that with us. Hello. Uh, okay, so yeah, I'm Rick Smart at Hope Gateway and many other places I go. I'm better known as Bethany's husband, <laughs> <laughs> which is okay with me. You know, that's a title that I have worked hard to attain and probably the one I'm most proud of. <laughs> so while we're on the grateful, uh, topic here. Uh, Bethany is also probably the thing I'm most grateful for in this world. Uh, the kids are, would be a close second. I guess you, sorry, kids. <laughs> um, so I'm going to uh, share a few thoughts I have on stewardship here this morning. <clears throat> and uh, those of you that know me know that I like sports. 
I like the entertainment, I like the drama, but I also like the fact that you can learn a lot of life lessons through sports. So this morning I have uh, brought on a couple coaches that uh, oftentimes it's the coach that shares the life lesson in sports, right? So this morning we're gonna hear from a couple coaches. The first one here being Barry Switzer. I don't know if any of you have heard of Barry Switzer. A few football fans in the audience maybe. But uh, one of the things he used to say quite often is some people are born on third base and go through life thinking they hit a triple. So I don't know if you know anybody like this. <laughs> but uh, I can give you an example, perhaps someone down in the White House. Um, <clears throat> so what this quote is about privilege, right? And I'm here to tell you today that I uh, have led a pretty privileged life. Just being a white male born in the United States has been a huge privilege in my lifetime. We can all hope the next 50 years will be a little bit different than the past 50 years have been, but that's gonna kinda of depend on how hard we all work towards that goal, right? Um, but it goes on beyond that. Uh, I grew up in a loving family. I had uh, two parents at home almost all the time. We had family dinner every night. Uh, they were always encouraging me to grow and learn. Uh, they even paid for my college education, allowing me to graduate with a bachelor's degree with no debt. So just an incredible life of privilege. Uh, and, but the other thing that they did and other people have done is to point out this privilege to me. I've always been told how lucky I am and that, you know, uh, I didn't necessarily work so hard to get a lot of things that have been given to me. This happened with my grandparents told me this, my parents, and now my wife reminds me of this on a regular <laughs> basis. Even her mom, my mother-in-law, reminds me of this. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been told enough to know that, you know, I'm pretty privileged. So what do we do with that? So let's hear from our next coach, John Wooden. Maybe more of you have heard of John Wooden, one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time. He said, don't measure yourself by what you have accomplished, but by what you should have accomplished with your ability. So if this sounds biblical to you, it may be, because he was a devout Christian, studied the Bible regularly, uh, to me, this sounds a lot like Luke 12:48, which says, to whom much is given, much will be expected. Some of you have probably heard that before. So I think of that quite often, right? Uh, you know, a lot's been given to me, so a lot's expected of me. And, you know, as a result, Bethany and I have been tithing for a good portion of our marriage. Uh, we give, I guess, we give as a team in that, like, I give 10% of her money, she gives 10% of my time. <laughs> but it works. And this whole thing is, it's, it's uh, about more than money, right? You can look on the wall over here. There's a lot more to stewardship than just you know, money and even time. You have prayers, you have presence, you have witness. You have a lot of, a lot of things are incorporated into stewardship. So, and we haven't even got to Hope Gateway yet. Um, there's you know, a whole long list of things, actually I have it right here, to be grateful for about Hope Gateway. I, I, 
I made a little list here and thought I'd share a few of these things with you here. <laughs> I won't read them all. But I'll start with this one here. I think we have some great leadership here. I think Alan and Sarah do a great job. We certainly have a lot to be thankful for there. I really enjoy the service and mission-oriented uh, situation we have here, how we lift up marginalized and oppressed folks at all, all opportunities. I like the fact that children are welcomed here, uh, honored to be a part of the service. We are committed to social justice. And Hope Gateway accepts me as I am. There's really no need to pretend here to be anything you're not. You really feel like a family member. And one of the things I really like is the fact that we're so inclusive. You know, no matter your race, your gender, your sexual orientation, your class, your age, everyone's welcome at the Hope Gateway table. And then the last one on my list here is a shout out to our retired pastors, the wisdom of these guys and gals. Uh, if you ask them, they'll tell you that Hope Gateway is the way church should be. So, a lot to be thankful for there, grateful for. And I'll just close here with uh, one more quote from another coach, <laughs> which is from the message, Luke 6.38. Give away your life, you'll find life given back, but not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. That's certainly been my experience as a giver. Thanks. Thank you very much.